Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to another edition of Waiting for Next Year's Cavs Cast. As always, we are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. It is Sunday, April 30th, and I'm joined by Joe Gilbert, who was doing heavy-duty draft coverage over the weekend. Joe, how are you doing tonight, man? Good, good. Yeah, this is uh, this cast cast turned into a sad cast lately. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, it was a fun weekend and uh, kind of talking to Cavs here to kind of end up the season and see what we can do uh, to improve it for next year. Yeah, yeah I called this this uh, episode exit interviews. It feels like everyone's getting out of town for a while. Like Kobe did his end of season presser. So everyone gets, gets a few weeks in the Bahamas or wherever they're going over the next couple of weeks and getting it back in. But just since we're, just since we're coming off such an exciting kind of draft weekend, although the Browns didn't have a first or second, they had what, seven selections, I think. And yeah, so busy. (laughs) Maybe I'll to start off this Cavs cast, we'll go kind of random here, but I'll, I'll ask, which selection do you think, maybe not your favorite, but where do you think the Browns got maybe the best value over the weekend? You know, did you like any of the guys late? Did you like any of them early? Do you, do you feel like the the Browns kind of hit a home run thus far in terms of value over the weekend? Yeah, they get they got a they got a quite a few, but probably the biggest one was um, was Dewan Jones, uh, the high state tackle. Um, and I saw, I saw late first early like second round guys and he went in the fourth round so um yeah i'll definitely go with Juan. um my favorite obviously was isaiah mcguire um if you listen to the uh browns podcast that we did uh yesterday and then uh before the draft i, I brought his name up quite often so <laughs> he was uh he was one of my favorite guys coming in and to be able to get him was uh was i was super excited as you can see that's great. I, well, one of the things I, I saw Andrew Barry got asked about, it just seems like they brought in a lot of size. Like obviously they yeah. got some, some big dudes on the O-line. They got the defensive tackle, but it seems like every position, they got some serious size for the most part. Yeah. They got a uh, defense. They got a 358 guy <laughs> offense. Uh, Duan is, I think like 370, 380, something like that. Crazy six, nine. Yeah. They, uh, and the receiver was big. So yeah, they got some, they got some big boys this weekend. <laughs> And I saw the, was it uh, was it the tackle from Ohio State? He has like a Thanos nickname, and I think the yeah, the big Thanos. Too, so, yeah, <laughs> it could be the, my favorite nickname I've ever heard from a guy, Big Thanos. <laughs> That's a great love nickname. It. Love it, love it. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I wanted mm-hmm. to wanted to start off this season under talking a little Brown, just because it was such a such a fun, exciting weekend. It's been a while mm-hmm. since we've been excited talking Browns, so it's yeah. nice to have some excitement. Right. Yeah. Change of pace there. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, uh, you know, Joe and I tonight, we're going to kind of put the, you know, the Cavs 2022, 2023 season to bed here quickly. Um, you know, three, I think three main topics for tonight. We want to talk about just again, recap since we haven't talked since after uh, game four, really what went wrong game five, but really mainly just the entire series. So break down that. Uh, I have some reaction to the Colby Altman press conference. And then lastly, just want to, you know, we're going to have more episodes over the summer, early, early fall. We can talk about this, but really wanted to just kind of give a glimpse of what tools the Cavaliers may have to improve their roster uh, and some different ideas about how they could go about, you know, improving outside of obviously personal development, which in my opinion is, is probably their easiest avenue for growth yeah. at this point. But um, but before we, we go there, Joe, we'll do a quick word from our sponsor. So our, our same folks as normal here, Underdog Fantasy, uh, we've got a great deal with them. For first-time depositors, enter in the code WFNY at checkout, and Underdog will match your deposit up to $100. Underdog is a great platform if you are tired of the DFS salary system. There are tons of game types and drafts every night of the week for every sport. Do not forget, use WFNY at checkout to get your first-time deposit matched up to $100. So as we think through what went wrong for this series, um, you know, there's – 
Yeah, yeah that's, that's a very good point. I, I made some some kind of grand like generalizations, you know, kind of fit things into a few different buckets of, of what I thought went wrong. And Joe, I, I had a combination, some split of roster issues that we knew were a problem, uh, players, you know, shrinking in the moment to be candid, whatever you want to call it. Maybe that phrase is a little harsh, but players not playing up to the expectations that maybe I had or we had for them. Um, and then some, some coaching question marks that I had. So those were the kind of those three, like call them like larger scale programs I had. And there's a bunch of like little things in all three of those buckets, but yeah. What, what are your, what are your thoughts, Joe? Where do you think like the one or two areas that they really, uh, that really swing, you know, swung the series? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a full organizational kind of problem they had. Um, start with the front office, not doing anything at the trade deadline, kind of resting on their morals and, and then just letting go of Kevin Love so early. Like, I know, I think that's more, it was as like a combination of coaching and front office because um, they benched him and then like they really never put him back in. Um, and that kind of got Kevin Love frustrated and the front office let him go because he asked for um, a trade. But it, it, it's just a combination. Like they, I think they just did it way too quickly. It just seemed like it, it was all boom, he was out of the rotation and like what a month later he was off the team. Like I know he was struggling. I, I was one of the guys that was really down on him and he's like, hey, you're he's not playing. He shouldn't be in the rotation. But like I never thought he would it would get to the point where he just wouldn't be on the roster anymore. Like that was crazy. It was just it was just a quick it's it just seemed like a knee jerk reaction. And um as you were watching the heat today, uh would have been nice. <laughs> he uh, he made uh, someone brought it up on Twitter. It, it, just having that experience is just invaluable, man. It's just invaluable for um, for the playoffs, and he would have been great for this team. Um, his rebounding would have been great, and and just spraying the floor would have been awesome too. Um, and then obviously, I, I would agree with the players just shrunk. I I would I would use that word. <laughs> they. Uh, Donovan Mitchell shrunk after that. What game one? He, mm-hmm. he didn't. He didn't have a good game. Rest of the rest of the series. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, I would say, or I mean, um, uh, Darius Garland had what on and off games. <laughs> like it'd be one game good, and then one game he would disappear. Um, and then the two bigs were just non-existent. They were just bullied, like absolutely bullied. Um, and then the coaching, the coaching was terrible. They were <laughs> JB was just bad. Like that, I we were always like kind of kind of harsh on uh, Mike Brown when he was the first when he came the first time around with the Cavs. But man, JB had by far the worst series I've ever seen a coach have for us. Um, he made it seemed like he made he it seemed like he never was able to figure out the rotation all season. Um, and that kind of that kind of hurt him at the end uh, because he had no idea what to do. Um, his rotations were off, and just nothing was consistent. Um, and then just some of his matchups. Oh, game five was just awful. <laughs> putting putting Garland back on on Brunson, and like I don't like it was like frustrating to watch. Like you saw things that work. Like a core was doing really well and then he would get benched it, it was just it was just a, it was just a complete meltdown by the whole franchise it seemed like to me yeah it felt like there was a little bit of chicken and egg to your point about I mean, yeah. jb throughout the entire season was trying to find like this who who was the sixth seventh and eighth guy and that just continued to change sometimes it was rubio most of the time it was lavert grand lavert played really mm-hmm. well the second half yeah. of the year but i mean we, we ran through you know dean wade isaac okoro ricky rubio lamar Stevens certain nights chetty you know a handful of times too and it just felt like you know whether whether you want to say jb struggled which i would say he did as well as the the front office didn't give him the players too it's, it's kind of like both can be true and both probably were true you, you know i i feel like they both um kind of put each other at a disadvantage throughout the the first round there 
um, because they tink had to tinker so much throughout the first. And yeah, that was that was my number one topic was was letting Kevin Love go. And we we were pretty split on this across like our WFNY crew, and we had a, a lot of folks who said he's washed. You know, what's he going to do? He's going to get picked out just like he did in Atlanta last year during the playing game, which is true. Um, and I'll say, and it's such a matchup type. Uh, the playoffs are, are so matchup based. It's getting rid of, of your best defensive rebounder. Yeah. He'll, you know, he can, he can kill you if, if you're getting Kevin Love into space, but Knicks don't really play that way. You know, there's certain teams where Kevin probably shouldn't have seen the series at all. Shouldn't have seen any floor time, but the Knicks is one of those few matchups where like, yeah, he, he probably could have played Isaiah Hartenstein. Hartenstein's not going to kill him, no. you know, running up and down the floor and maybe they still hunt him, you know, and pick and roll. But I, I think, Unfortunately, the Knicks matchup was was really the one where the Cavs would want Kevin Love the most. And, you know, to give him up, I know he was probably, uh, you know, he's probably bitching. He was probably, you know, uh, un very unhappy with his position. But I, I don't know if do you owe it to a guy who you think you might need? I mean, you you went from from really what you thought was four playable big men with Lopez Mobley Wade and, and Love and gave up Love your third so you were down to to Wade or no one and then Wade yeah. hurt his shoulder and he was essentially done for the rest of the year so you were down to two bigs essentially for the playoffs which is just not not sustainable um so that one that was very long-winded I feel pretty passionately about I just don't understand why they gave him up I, I understand wanting to do right by the player but to hurt your own depth and to limit your flexibility of matchups in the playoffs is just crazy. I just don't, I don't and won't understand that one. Yeah, it was, it was weird because they, they would, I, uh, Chris Fudor, I think touched on it where, um, where the, I think they had a conversation. I think JB had a conversation with Kevin Love and they just told him flat out, like he wasn't going to be in the rotation anymore. Like, I don't know how you could say that as a coach. Like, especially for a player that that talented like just to tell him straight out like at that point how do you know what's going to happen <laughs> like it just seemed like it was just so short-sighted and the whole situation was the front office really was short-sighted all season um going just think of the beginning of the year we literally thought dean wade was going to be like the was going to be the bench guy the glue guy that was like that's crazy to think about it right now. Like, <laughs> I know David Zavik uh, on Twitter, like, brings that up all the time. Like, it's crazy that we thought, like, Dean Wade was going to be, after, what, last season, he wasn't that great. Like, he was good, but, like, nothing to, like. You missed a bunch of time as well last year. Right. He, he nothing to, like, healthy. put your, yeah, nothing, like, to put your whole season benches, like, bench production on. Um, so, it was just. I hope I hope this kind of puts it in perspective for the front office this year that they can't just they can't plan for the regular season anymore. That doesn't matter. It it's all about the playoffs. You need to you need to plan this roster for the playoffs, and hopefully that kind of hopefully it's kind of a it's a wake wake up call for them, and uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens this off season. Yeah, I mean, when you give up three first-round picks, uh, 25, 27, and 2029 20, to Utah for Donovan Mitchell, two pick swaps uh, in 26 and 28, I mean, you're going all – like, I understand that the young guys are here, but at, at that point you're going all in. And, and this is my – this is kind of my broader point about why I was bothered. So I guess if, if we're talking about what went wrong in this series, I'm still kind of stuck in the roster issue piece here. Um, but when you make a trade like that and you go all in – you know, the playoffs are never are never promised year over year just because we think the Cavs are going to uh, are going to be a top whatever six seed every year for the next three years. It's not a guarantee Like guys go down to injury right now. The you know, the Miami Heat just upset Milwaukee, partly because Kevin Love had 15 points and 12 <laughs> rebounds and made five threes in the game clinching game. Um but the playoffs aren't like aren't promised. So if you could have incrementally made your team better by shipping out, you know, two or three second round picks, if you could have picked up a wing somehow at the trade deadline, um, you know, it, it could have been huge. Not that, you know, maybe the Cavs were, were dominated so much that that it didn't matter. But I just think when when you're in this position, nothing's promised tomorrow. 
you never know who's going to stay healthy, who's going to demand a trade. It's like you, you got to give yourself the best chance, especially in this type of year when there's no like 2016 Warriors or Cavalier team out there. Like you, oh, the you can play with anyone. Right. Yeah, you can play with anyone right now. I, I think. I mean, the the Knicks obviously were a, a awful matchup because you lost your best defensive rebounder in Kevin Love and um, and you got pushed around. But man, in, in a very competitive kind of equal year would, would have been a great time to, to try to upgrade. So I, I think we know like D Danny Green wasn't a help. He he stepped out of bounds like four different times in the Knicks series, like right before he launched a three, he made two of them. I'm like, like dude, spot too. Like, you've been in the league since like I was in high school. Can you please make, you know, stay in bounds, please? <laughs> <laughs> it was like the same spot too. It was like, what are we doing, man? <laughs> but I, I, I totally agree with, you, you know, I, you had mentioned kind of, if I kind of lay off the, the roster issue, I, I just echo, you know, kind of what you said, but I, I think, you know, now's the time and we'll talk, you know, later on in the show about, you know, how can they can improve moving forward, but the players shrinking. I mean, there, there's a lot of, I, I listened to all the, you know, the seat quote unquote season ending interviews from each player. I just, I find it pretty interesting to, to hear these guys mentalities. Like what do they think of kind of getting their ass kicked and, you know, what does it mean for them in their summer? And I, I felt pretty good about some of the responses. A lot of guys kind of copped up to, um, you know, to get, Jay yeah. was pretty, that was I, I give him credit, man. He was he was open about it. How it was kind of it was eye opening for him. <laughs> yeah, and this is second year in a row. Donovan Mitchell, you know, goes out in the first round, gets beat by a you know a Brunson led team, and yeah, I, I think the guy seemed pretty pretty ticked off. But of course, you don't want something to hang over your head. But in general, I kind of liked you know their responses and and kind of the way they went out. But the only the only other item I had. Joe, in terms of this Knicks series, was just kind of the, I, I don't know, I, I got to the point, and maybe you can second guess anything, uh, you know, you or I behind the computer screen, because you know, we'll never know if it would have worked or not, but when I looked at just who was competing towards the end of that series in games in New York, in games three and four, and then back at home in game five in Cleveland, Isaac Okoro, like he he stood out like a, a like a glimmering like star amongst the other Cavaliers. Like he was actually yeah. hustling, run. He just looked like he looked like a Nick player. Like that's very like sad to say, but he was playing in a way that I thought he played for the Knicks because he was like punching at least. I I just hate that he didn't get more time. He he had a plus um you know plus minus the last two games of the series where the Cavs got you know beat up pretty bad. He played eight, I think eighteen minutes in in game five. Uh, I'll, I'll go look that up, but I, I guess I was just understood. He, he gives you, you know, he kills your space and he was cutting really well. He, he had like nine points in not that many minutes. I just, I just would have loved to see more Isaac Coro. I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. That's my, that's probably my biggest thing with JB. His, his leashes for each player is just so inconsistent. Like he, what Okoro had, a tough time in, in game one because he, he wasn't making his threes and that, and that for some reason benched him for the rest of the series. Almost like he, he got completely benched in game two, but like in game three, four and five, like his minutes were greatly reduced. It was, it's just, I, and then, and then you see Chetty not, I did he, I think he had what two or three threes in the whole series, but he got so many big minutes yeah. It, I just didn't understand, and that was, and that's even weirder because during the season he would be he would be locked to the bench for a few games. So it was like, it just his his rotations and just minutes he he distributed was just so inconsistent all year, and I think that it burned him at, at the end of the day. It, it it's I don't think players knew, especially on the bench, knew who was going to play at one time, and that's hard to do. Like especially if you're a young guy like Okoro and and Dean Wade and all those guys, like if you don't know when you're getting on the floor, like it's hard to be ready. Like it's hard to get yourself ready and and ready to go in an instant. So I just didn't I just didn't understand what he was doing, and um, I think it, it it hurt him in the in the long run. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree and. Isaac played physical and that's the kind of player that's the one of the few players kind of in the top six, seven, eight rotation that, 
you know, plays that way for the Cavs. So I think, you know, going away from him, you were just completely, you know, going kind of finesse versus the Knicks' physicality. And, man, he, he was just one, like one of the lone soldiers we had kind of going to bat. You felt like had a hammer where, where no one else really did. So it, it was just interesting. And we don't need to dive much into player, you know, exit interviews or, or quotes and whatnot. But one thing I thought I wanted to bring up just because Okoro said it, and it's it's kind of a weird quote. He may have fumbled his words a little bit, but every single Cavalier was asked about the physicality. And I thought Isaac Okoro had a pretty interesting quote um, in his presser. He said, I don't think you can adjust physicality. You just have to have it. You got to have toughness. You got to have it. It's a mental thing. It's not just something physically you have. So when I hear that, it sounds to me like Isaac Okora was maybe a little annoyed. And I'm assuming I, I know nothing. But based off that quote, my assumption is maybe he was a little annoyed that, you know, he was kind of playing his ass off. And he, he may not have seen that some of his other teammates. I don't yeah. know. What do you think about that quote, Joe? That's what, that's what I read into it. it, it is, he's completely right because everybody the big four were was scared of mitchell robinson by the end of the series like they were just absolutely terrified to go up against them drive to them um rebound and get rebound against them it was it's a it's a mind frame and akora was not like he would get he would stick his head down there and get try to get rebounds like I, I totally I'm with him, man. I, I I agree. I I thought I thought they became scared at the end. Um, I don't like to I don't like to blame people for like effort or anything like that. But like what it was visible how afraid they were not trying to go up against Mitchell Robinson. It was very visible and and uh, yeah, they I, that was that's a mind frame. That's it's a physicality kind of mind frame they have, and, and they didn't have it. Yep. Yeah. And, and to a chorus quote, it sounds like it's not something you can just turn on or off. No. You, you got to kind of have it. So that's, that's kind of, and I think that's like what might scare a Cavalier fan is like, when you think about the core four, you know, we we've seen Donovan get after like Dylan Brooks after he, he hit him down South. Mm -hmm. And we've seen a little bit of that from him, but I mean, that's one of like the kind of the like lighthearted things about this team is it's a bunch of nice young men, you know, it's kind of like the, the vibe of the team. And it's like, that's great for the regular season, but you need some ass kickers. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that is some, like someone doesn't just change who they are because it's May 3rd instead of, you know, uh, March 3rd. Right. It's like, it's something in you. And so that, to be honest, you know, that's something that kind of puts a question mark ab above me about the team is do they have that ass kicker? And again, maybe you develop more and more of that, but I, I do think to a degree, it's kind of, you either are a, a certain way or not. So I, I think that's something the Cavs front office needs to figure out what type of guys, you know, do they need to bring in that, that might have some of that in them. Yeah. And you could just look at your, the Cavs in 2016 and, and that team, bunch of ass kickers, Tristan Thompson, Delhi, LeBron, LeBron's one of the biggest ones. Like, like they, they weren't scared of anybody. You can, you can, and everybody else was terrified of the Golden State Warriors except the Cavs. They, they were, they were able to kind of stay with them. How many, how many times did they have, you know, those patented Golden State runs where they were just put on 15? Like the Cavs, Cavs were able to weather those storms because they weren't afraid. And that's a, that's a mentality you get to have in the playoffs. And um, Jimmy Butler is one of the, one of the best uh, signals of that in the in the league right now. He's not afraid of anybody. Um, he he knows when to put it on, and and the Cavs just did not show it. Um, I I hope, I really hope and pray that this is a this is kind of a punch in the face for him. And I I, I expect like I I I could see it with Donovan or with Darius and Evan because this is like their first playoff game. This is. What year five? What was it? Five for Darius and uh, or, or year yeah four or five no. Um, and then what year two for Evan? So that's definitely it's definitely a a shock to their system there. But the really Donovan was just that was the biggest shock in the in the series of any player um, because he's he's faced this so many times. He's been in the playoffs his whole career, and he was just invisible and he, he looked afraid. And um, and then J.A. just looked like a different player. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Like he was in the in the regular season, he would be our our kind of ass kicker. Like he would get yeah. into things, and he just shied away from it in the playoffs. So I'm hoping everything is just a wake up call for them. And uh, it sounds like the comments, as you were saying, they they kind of realize that, but um, they got to show it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought I think uh, Justin Rowan of the Chase Down Pod said it pretty well. It, it just looked like you know, in games three and on the Cavs guards just didn't want to like move off ball anymore because the Knicks were being so physical and pushing them around. I mean, anytime Donovan or Darius or, or Karras were trying to like slither off ball, they were just getting grabbed, poked, pushed. And after a certain while, I just looked like they didn't want to go through that anymore. So yeah, the, the physicality, you know, we, we've talked about it. Um, everyone's talked about it that follows this team, but it's, it's just gotta be, it's gotta be better. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you hope some of that's just naturally, uh, naturally evolves and, and maybe, maybe the, you know, roster insight, you, you know, build some of that as well would, would be great. Yeah. So I did want to hit on just really quick. I, you know, I don't, there wasn't a ton of, of press clippings, I guess you could say, um, but I did want to address Kobe Altman's uh, season-ending press conference or exit interview press conference, you can call it. Um, I did have a couple notes that uh, that I thought were somewhat noteworthy. And maybe, Joe, I'll just rattle off a couple and kind of get your reaction. Sure. That works for you. Yeah. So, you know, the the big thing that, that first came out was, you know, was this the type of loss that alters the Cavaliers' mindset in terms of stylistically how they built their team with two small players in the backcourt uh, Evan and, and Jarrett kind of in the front court, obviously with, you know, those are two things that I think go kind of counter what most of the NBA does, which is like four or five out wings everywhere. You've got two small guys in the backcourt. You've got two guys who can't shoot in the front court. Uh, and just in general, Kobe, you know, Kobe's, I'm going to summarize here. Kobe's essentially said, we're not going to overreact to one playoff series. Uh, we're not planning to make any sweeping changes. Um, he did call out, you know, the the lack of physicality. We need to get stronger and have better focus. But in general, his sentiment was we're not going to overreact to one series and we're not going to make no uh, we're not going to make any sweeping changes, including the head coach, J.B. Bickerstaff. So is that about what you expected him to say or? It was. Yeah, it's 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 what I expected. It, it's what it's been his kind of mantra since he's been here. He doesn't like to kind of shake things up really quickly off a of, off a of one instance. Um, in terms of just the shakeup, I don't think they should. Um, I think the backcourt's fine. I think they can work with that. I think they just, as a, as I said, I think Darius is just not ready for this playoff series, and and Donovan just had a bad series, and hopefully we can turn that around. The really the one you really got to think about is the two bigs. Um, and I think that all kind of stems from what Evan develops into. Like, if he can become a, a, a reliable shooter, then you can play with that. But if he can't, then you're going to probably have to break it up. Um, because they uh, – it was – it was, it, it also stems from what they had at the three spot. The lack of a three is just a murder for this roster. <laughs> like, just – it just – and it's, it continued like during the playoffs. It just was killer. Like they don't have a consistent guy there. It it really kind of accentuates the the two bigs and and there's what basically two shooters on the floor. <laughs> that's like that's not good. So I think the big thing will be this offseason. It's not blowing up the big four or anything. It's just finding that three. They gotta find a three. It, they got to find a starting three. It's not on this roster. Dean Wade's not the starter. Coro is not a starter um, with this current roster. Um, it, they just got to find a three um, that can really uh, make open shots and kind of spread the floor. Because if they if they don't, then this the big uh, the two bigs are it's not going to work long uh, going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Evan Mobley, th this was one quote. Um, this is one quote that stood out to me. I don't have the exact question, but it was something along the lines of, you know, how does this team get better? You know, how does this team evolve? And, and Kobe's response was essentially, our, you know, our largest way to up upgrade is through diversification of our offense. He basically said our defense was good. Mm -hmm. You know, we yeah. were giving up only 9,800 points. And, and I agree that yeah. their defense wasn't, they couldn't finish possessions. Of course, they yeah. gave up tons of rebounds, but which is important to the defense, yeah. but still, yeah, the, the getting stops was, <laughs> yeah. was there. It's just, they didn't finish the stops. 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And Kobe mentioned, you know, the, the, the best way for them to grow is, is diversification of the offense. And he, he specifically said through Evan Mobley. So he said, you know, we got too stagnant in the playoffs and we, you know, ultimately we want, we want to run offense through Evan Mobley. And when I heard him say that it, it kind of perked my ears up because Evan had a really great second half of the season where he started to be almost that like 20 and 10 guy. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily from the Cavs, and I don't have any stats to back this up, but just from the eye test, it wasn't necessarily from Evan Mobley getting the ball like at the elbow and, and running offense through him. It was a lot of like, you know, Evan Mobley just is so long. He's catching the ball under the free throw line. He's doing his little like, I don't even know what move it's called, but he just kind of like jumps towards the basket and scoops it in. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but that was that was kind of eye-opening quote from from Kobe to me was you know, the upside of our offense is through, you know, running it through Evan Mobley. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, that, that quote to me, I would be stunned if we are, we as in the Cavaliers are running our offense through Evan Mobley, a heavy percentage next year. I, I that just feels like a, a, a 2025, 2026 type of thing. And that does not feel like something that's going to come next year. What, what are your thoughts? I, I guess I'm almost even surprised he said that kind of putting an expectation on Evan, of course yeah, they, that's a they, lot of need, they need him to get there, but that just surprised me. I, I don't know your thoughts on that quote. Yeah, I, I agree. It's down the road. That is the way that they're going to do it. But man, next year is <laughs> what? Four months away, five months away. Um, yeah, that's, I, I, I'm a bit surprised by that quote. Um, in, in reality, yes, that I would, that would hurt. that's kind of our goal to get to that point but i don't think he, i don't unless he makes a huge jump which he made a huge jump this off last off season so who knows um but until he gets a it's either he either has to get a handle a really good handle uh or he needs to get a shot so if if one of those develops then yeah you can definitely work through it but if he's just going to be like that post guy then you you this is not the NBA. You don't you don't run it through your big. You just don't. There's Joel Embiid can can shoot. That's why they can they can run it through him. But beyond that, and then Jokic is obviously the a cheat code who can do everything on the floor. But besides that, is there an offense that runs through a big? No. <laughs> you okay. you pass it through two of the most diverse big guys in the league. So um they he needs to develop that before they can either reach that that kind of that um that goal that uh Kobe was saying yeah when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And when I heard that quote, I, I totally agree with you, Joe. And when I heard that quote, it just made me think, man, how much, how many categories is Evan being asked to be get incrementally better at? It's strength, it's rebounding, it's shooting, it's dribbling. It's de it's like, okay, I, I understand he's, he's like, you, you know, he goes as the, you know, as he goes, the Cavaliers will go. I, I totally get that. But just kind of based in reality for a second, it's like how many areas can he improve in that's going to maximize the Cavs' chances too? I just I just worry about oh if you if you try to do everything you do maybe nothing to yeah. a sense. It's like okay, um, understood. Like obviously what's best for him is what's best for the Cavs. I just think man if if we're you know if we're putting all our eggs and you know run the offense through him, it's like well we we also need him to get a lot better in the weight room. Right. We get a lot better at rebounding. We right. we were a terrible rebounding team at towards the end of last year. And it, it was because, you know, Evan and Jared aren't incredible rebounders at the moment. So it, it, there's just so many things for him to improve on. He's he's fantastic. I I, I love Evan Mobley. I yeah. wouldn't say a bad word yeah. about him. I, I just worry about how much are we asking of him at this moment? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being a little too soft and and, and you know, I, I just worry about making sure that um, we're putting him in a good position to succeed basically. Yeah. I, I feel like they're kind of, they're kind of giving him the kind of LeBron, um, all the, all the 
great young guys that came in the league ready to go rather than the Giannis kind of treatment. I think that's how they should treat him. Because if you go back to Giannis, he was average the first year. Um, and they didn't put it all on him. They didn't They didn't say, this guy is going to be our centerpiece. And and with their success, it's, it's through him. But it's just – it seems like a lot of pressure on this kid. Um, I think he has the talent to, to – to to do it, but like man, when you got when you got Darius Garden and Donovan Mitchell on your team, you don't have to do that right now. Like you don't <laughs> you have got, to do that, <laughs> right? And, and that's that's kind of my my broader thought too for the series is like you know th- those two guys are two max guys. You know yeah. Darius Garland got the max thrown at him yeah. for his rookie uh, extension. Donovan Mitchell is a max player. It's un- I understand Evan Mobley. You know our our peak our ceiling goes with how Evan Mobley goes, yeah. but you already have two max guys on your team. Like yeah. they they should be the ones leading and and leading that charge for now. Yeah. Now Evan, year four, year five, yeah, but but Donovan and Darius. Darius has been in the league four years already. Next year, he's going into his fifth. He's a veteran yeah. at this point, right? I know he's young, but right. you know he's a five. He's going to be a five-year veteran. So yeah, yeah. I just thought interesting quote. I, I probably like. I'm probably taking one quote and blowing it up a little too much. I just thought, man, there. How much? How much do we need to ask of this guy to do before next year? It's it's only a couple months, right. you know, for an off season. It's like yeah. how much can he do that he's inc- you know he's really going to improve? But yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Not doubting the guy at all. No. I just want what's best for him long term. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the the last piece from from Kobe, and then we can we can hit on kind of what's to come this offseason, how the Cavaliers can get better. This one made me kind of shake my head, and I'm going to go to like my negative corner here, Joe. But when asked about the trade deadline, Kobe said, you know, Karis was a big reason why we didn't do anything at the deadline, insinuating they were feeling good about how Karis was playing. And um, I'll, to that, I will say, so I'm, I'm just going to jump in. Cause this one I had like highlighted bolded start. I said, okay, I, I like the way Karis played in the second half. Did you watch the season. first half? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also why, you know, why is Karis, why is Karis have to go? You know, you can, there were no other moves to be made for any other players, whether it was a backup big, which you and I talked about wing or backup big we knew was a problem at the trade deadline so you know there are plenty of other contracts on this team that can be traded we have eight second round picks that are available to be traded there was a list of guys that went for second round picks again i'm i'm not saying one player helps the cavaliers beat the knicks that that quote just made me squirm like are we are we sure that there was no no other opportunity in like the quote we had from Kobe after the deadline was we didn't think anyone was a difference maker. It's like, well, when you get rid of Kevin love, when Dean Wade can't play, when Ricky Rubio is not back yet, when you, when you don't play Lamar Stevens, are are we sure Danny green is better than who else we would have gotten at the trade deadline? I'm not sure. Right. And you can look straight towards the Los Angeles Lakers on that question. They traded what? Two or three second round picks for Rui Ahachimori, and how freaking big was he in the last series? Absolutely, he won a game for him by himself. Yeah. And you have LeBron and and uh, AD on your team. Like, that's an excuse, man. That's it's a straight up excuse. And um, yeah, there's sorry, you can't you can't just go off of that. And um, yeah, I. It was we were we talked about it. It was a it was a head scratcher that they didn't make a move, um, yeah. and especially when when you saw around the league that they didn't have some moves that were that could have been possible, given what what other teams gave up for uh, the asset. So um, yeah, it's it, you. I don't think you can you can either you can um, kind of pretend to think that was the right call because um, it wasn't. It, the bench was terrible. Uh, by the end of the end of the year, there was one player, one player off the bench that was that was useful, and um, yeah, it was. It's weird that they they thought that Levert was somehow the only guy, like to trade. Like mm-hmm. you have all these second rounders, you have you have still these young guys. There's like Dean Wade is young, and and a lot of the oh. other guys like, and there's yeah. expiring contracts. Like I don't, I just don't understand why why he thought Levert was the only trade piece because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And because only because we wrote about it on, you know, WFNY and we talked about it on the podcast, 
Um, and we were disappointed. And I think, you know, rightfully so that that there were no additional moves made. You know, here's a list of, of because I'm spiteful. I went back and looked at all the <laughs> transactions back yeah. in the NBA dead, uh, trade deadline. Here's here's a list of guys that went for second rounders or salary cap filler, like like not plus players, but because they had to be sent for money reasons. Uh, Eric Gordon for second round. Yep. Luke Kennard, which Luke Kennard oh. would have been a hell of a fit for the Cavaliers. Oh, yeah. uh, Josh Richardson, Devontae Graham, Justin Holiday. Rui Hachimura, like you mentioned already. So those are those are five or six wing guys that were dealt for second round picks yeah. and like blah players like a Chetty would have been or like a Dean Wade or et cetera. It's just there were there were guys out there. And I think for, you know, at the time for Kobe to say, oh, none of these guys were difference makers. Well, for most teams, maybe not. But for this Cavaliers teams, those guys are definitely difference makers. Those guys yeah. are top seven rotation type players. Yeah. Yeah. When you had six guys in your rotation, like you you can get a guy you don't have to get you don't have to get that high of a player man like anybody can just it basically came down to in the playoffs they just didn't have anyone who could make a basket beyond the big four and some of the big four couldn't make a basket so but like <laughs> they just didn't have enough basket makers and as you said there's the, that that list is full of basket guys guys who can make basket um god luke Kennard would have been a, an amazing fit an amazing fit um but they didn't do it they got old ass danny danny green who barely play, barely played in the that was one of the other <laughs> i don't know if we want to get into this but like the handling of danny green was just weird absolutely weird they signed him he played his first game with Philly, if you remember that, and then we didn't see him. We didn't see him for I don't know how long, and then he got sick, and then, and then I don't know. They expect him to kind of make a difference in the playoffs. Like it just it was a weird. The handling of the bench was just weird all season between the front office and the coaching staff. It was just a weird. It was the downfall of this team. I thought. They just couldn't get a handle of what who can be a, a difference maker, and and one of the kind of the beginning of it was signing Rubio and expecting him to be a difference maker after coming off a terrible injury. Like ACL yeah. for a point guard is not easy to get through, especially at his age. What is he? Thirty uh, something. Thirty thirty two. So, I yeah, believe. Like, yeah. That takes time, and you can look at at Kevin Durant. This year, yeah. like, he doesn't look great. He's coming off injury because he's old and he has to take more time. Like, yeah, it's it was the handling of the of the bench was the downfall of this team. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no there's no doubt. And man, to to think about again, a lot went a lot went wrong um, in terms of the bench this year for the Cavs, but a lot went right too for the core four. I mean, for the most part, they were healthy all yeah. year. So yeah, it's just, it's just tough. And it, it, maybe I'm, I'm being a little bit more negative than, than I should be, but I, I just think nothing's promised in the NBA. No. You know, I'm knock on wood everywhere, but the core four were extremely healthy this year. You just, you never know when you're going to be a four seed again. And we think the Cavs have a long runway. I personally think they're going to be in the playoffs, you know, annually here, but I think shit happens for lack of a better term. Right. And so I think you give yourself as good of a chance as you have, you know, when you're the type of team, I mean, the, the Cavs were maybe not in that first tier in the East, but they were, they were damn sure in that second tier pushing for the first. So I just think you, you try to give yourself the best chance you have whenever you can get it. Yeah. Look at, look at Atlanta and Chicago. Those are two teams that Chicago was the number one seed for how what? Three fourths of the season last year, and yeah. now they're probably going to break it up, or I would think they're going to kind of consider breaking it up. And then Atlanta, they were they they took it pretty far in the in the first round, but they got knocked out in the first round, and that's two straight years. So it's like nothing is nothing is given. I, it seemed like it seems like especially Kobe Altman it just thinks it's like. Uh, everything's a learning curve and, and it takes time. Like, sorry, when you traded for Donovan Mitchell, your, your timeline moved up. There's no waiting. <laughs> like you got to yep. go. You got to, you got to yep. fight for us. 
Yep. And and if you want to, you know, of course you got to get your first licks with, with a guy like Evan, who's 21, yeah. but, you know, Darius is a four-year veteran and, and knowing that you have that young team, man, you got to give them some veteran support and some aid, which, you know, I'll just, this will be the last time I say it, Kevin, letting Kevin Love walk right out of the door. It was, was just one of those things. I just, uh, I'll never understand. And, and I'll leave it right there. Cause I've talked about it too yeah. much probably, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think what, you know, maybe this will be a little cleanser. We're going long too. So my apologies. I know you had a busy weekend. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of end it up here. So on a more positive, optimistic view, um, what's to come. So between some quotes on, on the Kobe Altman press conference and just looking at some tools that the Cavaliers have to try to get better. Um, they've got a bevy of second round picks. They've got a ton of them. Yep. Um, you know, they've got a handful of players that are on pretty decent contracts. So, if, you know, if you take a look at, um, you know, what the, what the Cavaliers are making next year in terms of certain portions, I, I'm not insinuating anything. I'm just saying some mm-hmm. contracts that, um, some would consider somewhat team friendly. You've got Isaac Okoro, who's still a very, very young player making under $9 million next year, who will, will then be, um, you know, eligible or, or basically be a free agent after next year. Um, you've got Chetty Osman, who will be on the last year of his deal, making less than $7 million. Ricky Rubio is making $6 million. Dean Wade's making under $6 million. Um, Sam Merrill, Lamar Stevens are kind of in that vet range of under $2 million. So you, you've got a bunch of guys who, you know, you can combine different things together if you want to get aggressive to try to upgrade, if you, if you want to look at a sign and trade. So just to kind of quickly recap, you've got, you know, second rounders, you've got some tradable assets. I, you know, I, I think you'd probably consider it's it's a guy who I'd love to, to stay and watch him improve. But, you know, a guy like Isaac Okoro might still have being a fifth overall pick, might still have some um, some value around the league with that type of contract. Um, and then you've got the mid-level exception, which is around $12 million. So the Cavs have, you know, I I think those three avenues, if you want to go option four scorched earth is break up the core four. And then you're probably talking Garrett Allen, right? Yeah, that would be, yeah, because you're not trading any other, other three, but yeah, that'll be like last resort. Hey, we want to blow up this kind of plan and go from there. But I, I don't think they're at that point right now. Yeah, based off everything we heard from Kobe, I, I would be, you know, of course he's going to listen to anything, but right, I'd be yeah. stunned. Unless, yeah, unless they get some crazy, they get like a wing that's like perfect fit for him, then yeah, you you do it. But um, yeah, I, I don't think, especially with with where Evan is at developmental, de- developmental uh, strength wise and all that, I don't think he's ready to kind of shoulder the the strength of a center position right now. So yeah, I would be shocked if any of the big four get traded, but yeah, I could see, I could see anybody else get traded besides the big four. It could be a Coro. It could be a sign and trade with Levert. It could be a, a Rubio. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they give up on Rubio. Um, they just, they have to be creative to get this bench. I would love to the sign in or the um, mid level should be a, a really good piece to add, and I I wouldn't be shocked if they add two or three. It should be three bench guys that can actually be playable this season. Um, Chetty, I, I if, he, if Chetty's back, I would be shocked because he, his contract is very very friendly to trade. Yeah. Um, he is a useful player. He's just not useful here. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Okoro is the guy probably to watch because I think his value probably went up in the second half and, and into the playoffs. He, he was the best player for, yep. like, in terms of the Cavs in the playoffs, I would probably rank him third. He's right. Like, he's up there. Um, yeah. Like, him and Levert are real high up there, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. <laughs> like, really. Like, and who would have thought that? Like, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting how they deal with Levert too, um, and how much money he wants. Um, yeah, they he's got a, they're making a lot of big decisions. I would I would think I would like to have Levert back because I think he kind of kind of grew into his own uh, by the end of the year, kind of figured out his role. Um, but if they if they if they find a better piece that can fit better. Um, and we're, I can see a sign and trade with them too. So I think anything is up the air right now. Um, 
if you want to probably if you if you want to get like the highest kind of upside get a piece, it would probably be trading a Coro, but um, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, when when you send out you know three first round picks, two pick swaps, Laurie Marketing, Ochai Abaji, Colin Sexton for one player. I mean, there's your depth. There, there's all your big trade pieces. So now you you know Kobe and and Gansey and the rest of the front office, they've got their work cut out for them, no doubt. And I, I think this this is pretty well known that the Cavs fan. If you're listening to this, you're you're probably a pretty deep you know Cavs fan. It's pretty well known, but it's I think it's worth saying again is that because the Cavs kept Karras past the trade deadline, which, Hey, he, you know, he played pretty damn well over the second half yeah. of the year and in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not screaming about that by any means because they kept him. The Cavaliers are essentially like right at the cap. And so if they let him walk in free agency, um, they're, they're just really losing out on a player of his value. They don't have the, you know, if you want to sign him for 15 to $20 million a year, somewhere in that range, I'm assuming is what he'd get. Um, the Cavs don't have that to go sign another player. They basically would have to, you know, sign him and then, and then try to trade him to a team that values him. So they kind of are, are in a little bit of a tight spot. If they want, you know, Karis, they can go over the, the line and, and sign him. But if they let him walk, they don't really have that ability to go sign another guy worth 15 or 20 million. They, they just right. are too tight up against the cap. So that's because they have his bird rights. That's just kind of where they're at. And I, I think you're, you're dead on. I mean, outside of what I'd expect is, any player outside of the core four is expendable. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, I think Joe, the guy that you and I really like, is probably the one that's most valued at his current deal with Okoro. At, I think at eight point nine yeah. million. So, I'd hate to. I mean, gosh, then you're losing your best perimeter defender, right. and, and that, that whoever you get better be a really strong defensive player as well as being able to shoot. Right? Yeah, definitely. It's um, yeah, it's gonna be. This is where this is where um, as a GM you kind of make your your a rebuild is not it's not as hard as what you can do right now. Um, rebuild you have so much flexibility, you have all these picks and all that. When you when you make the trade for the big when you make the kind of go all in trade and then you have to like build around it. It's um, that's the toughest thing you have to do as a GM and. Uh, Kobe's gonna have to make his uh, make his uh, money this week uh, this off season. Um, they have what one second rounder this in the draft, so it's not like they can move into the first round and get anybody valuable. Um, yeah, it's the two. I think they're. I think the things to watch are what they do with Rubio, Levert, and Okoro. I think those are kind of big, big three pieces uh, because uh, Rubio is what on his last year. I think wasn't it a two-year? Um, uh, you know, he he actually is surprising. He signed for a oh, three, three year, year, so he's yeah, got right. he's got two more years yeah. around. He's only making like six mil a year. Yeah, so, so that's definitely a tradable contract. Um, yeah. Levert is a sign and trade possibility. Then Okoro is probably your best value um, in terms of a young guy. A lot of upside. He's still what twenty. He's still the same age as Evan Mobley, which is freaking crazy. Seems like he's been on the team Nuts. for so long. Um, <laughs> I would I would hate to lose him because I think he's he's one of your kind of guys that can still grow, um, and, so, and along with like Evan and Darius, um, but it, as it's it's win now mode and and if they if they can find somebody that can take him on and and they get a a, a win now kind of type player you got to do it. it it's gonna suck we both are big fans of a core but it's gonna. It's all about fit and, and helping right away and right now. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. What I had written down was, I mean, they need, to me, they need two playable wings and uh, a very good um, backup big. Yeah. And th those are like non-negotiables. Yeah. I mean, I, you need a you need to find a backup big and that's to me that's like almost as in I mean, wing is obviously priority 1a wing shooting is priority 1a but like not that far below that for oh, me yeah. as a backup big they need a backup big to that can control the rebounds and i'm sorry robin lopez i don't think no. it can be you so they, they need a guy that can move a little um yeah. ideally a spacer like thinking about a backup big that can space and rebound would be great like don't Love? ask me any names like yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> The guy who just made a couple more threes today uh, in a big win against the Knicks, but yeah, uh, but yeah, you know, I know I I agree wholeheartedly. They need a it's it's starting wing and then it's it's backup backup four is your biggest need by far 
Um, they 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 had two bigs the end of the year. Like Dean Ways was unplayable. If they if I swear to God if they if they rely on Dean Wade to be your uh, the the backup four we're in trouble. Sorry, we're in trouble <laughs> because he hasn't played a consistent year and he hasn't stayed healthy and consistently. Like you cannot, it, it would be like putting putting all the all the weight on Rubio this year. It would be a dumb move and um, yeah, a, a big uh, a big that can spread spread uh, spread the floor is a uh, is a huge get. And then just in terms of a three, they need a they need a an actual three <laughs> would be mm-hmm. like. Like beyond just shooting, they need an actual three because that can help you rebound. That's the killer. Yeah. They have two bigs, and then you have a bunch of midgets out there. Like you have, <laughs> you have so many small guys, and that's killer. Like just look at yeah. Josh Hart. Josh Hart is what six five, six six or something. Yeah, that yeah. size is so helpful when you have it on, on the wing there or at two guard. So. Yeah, they need. They just need to get bigger on the on the wing there, and uh, get a get a guy that can actually make baskets, which would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't be asking too much, and and Kobe's gonna have to get creative. But the I guess the one the one positive thing thing I'll say about the mid level exception specifically, and you know we'll see. Maybe, maybe they find a guy they like for the full twelve, or maybe they break it out. You know, maybe there's like an eight million dollar and a four million dollar player. But the one I think really exciting thing about the Cavaliers is currently constructed is man, if you're a decent wing and you have a deal for from the Cavs at eight million and another team for like nine or ten, it's like no one's even touching you in this rotation. You are gonna get 34 minutes a <laughs> right. night if you're in here. You are so yours. I a pretty appealing destination for a wing, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Um yeah it should be like I know we're so pe- very pessimistic at a out coming off of this off season or off of this playoff series, but this is a it's a it's a very um, kind of lucrative place to be. So if it could, it should be able to draw people in. Obviously, it's Cleveland, so you're not going to get you're not going to be the big draw. But for these like role players, just look at look at the 2016 years like they they were able to bring in guys that like were role players because it was a valuable you're playing next to lebron like that's a great spot to be in and and this one is you're playing off of donovan and and darius especially darius one of the best point guards in the league that can will find you um it it should be a it should be an enticing place to go so yeah i'm very excited to see what they can do with the mid-level uh, I offhand, I don't know the. We'll get into it obviously closer to free agency, but I, I'm not sure what free agents are available. Um, but there's always there's always valuable guys, especially role guys, rotational guys. So um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what they do with that uh, mid level. That's that's probably their beyond the trading and all that. That's their biggest piece that they can really find somebody. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think that you know if you're a wing and you look at the Cavs and you've got two dynamic. Guards, Guards, if, if you're a true three and D type guy, if it, you know, if you can get hot from the corner, man, what a place to be. If you can get shots from Darius Donovan and you got your, you know, you got bigs, J.A. and Evan, it's an exciting, uh, you know, part of rotation to be in. And Joe, I'm going to throw out just one random name. And like you said, we're going to get into this a little bit further on. This is a guy who I think just makes like a lot of potential sense if Kobe goes the trade route. Um, he's got a pretty tradable contract. He makes 13 to 14 million dollars a year. Brooklyn Nets, it's a team that has like 10 <laughs> wings. Dorian Finney-Smith is a guy who, yeah, he, he he makes 13 to 15 million a year. He's under control for a couple more years. He's He is going to be 30 next year, but I, I don't hate the idea of having a, a veteran for, for a couple years on this team. And the, I mean, the Nets have so many wings. It's, it's like, is is DFS going to put them over the top? Yeah. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe they'd be interested in some kind of package that Kobe could put together. That, that's just a name that you know, it's something that we could, we can combine some contracts to match that 14 to $15 million salary. And I think would be just, just a trait traits. We don't have today. That's just the guy I'm, I'm kind of yeah, throwing that's out. That's definitely, I think the nets are one of the top teams to kind of watch um, because I, I, I don't know how, which way they're going to go. Um, they could make a big trade to kind of get a, a star. 
um, which they've been <laughs> bitten on quite frequently lately. Uh, or they could just build through the draft, which could be a, a breakdown of what they have. So, yeah, that's the team to watch because they have so many wings, <laughs> just so many wings. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would – Benny Smith would be a great one. Um, yeah, it's going to be – it's going to be interesting to see what kind of teams. I think Chicago could blow it up. There's some interesting pieces there. Like it's going to be, it's going to be yeah. interesting to see who blows up their roster and and who kind of, who kind of is available this off season. Yeah, always a bunch of you know, always a bunch of new guys coming in and out. It's a, it's a great point, and we're I think we're coming up on about an hour, so I'll, I'll kind of you know we can kind of close it down. I just wanted to to rattle off a, a few different dates coming up. So this will probably be the last Cavs cast for, for a little bit of time. When we think about, you know, real Cavs activity, we, we have the NBA draft lottery, which obviously the Cavs are not going to be part of May 16th. Uh, we've got the NBA draft days, not till June 22nd. And then by that time, you're thinking about the the new league year, which is June 30th, the last day, July 1st, really being that, that new time they can start to, to sign offer sheets and things like that. So yeah, we're going to have some downtime here, but I guess Joe, before we get out of here, any, any last kind of thoughts, conclusions as we put the Cavs 22, 23. Uh, the last thing I think is, I think JB needs to really ch- figure out how to get this team moving more. I think that really kind of, kind of illustrated itself during the, during the, during the playoff season. Like, the Knicks were able to run and get so much easy baskets, and the Cavs were just not. Like, they were – I don't know how many fast break points the Knicks had in the last couple games, but the the Cavs just need to speed it up. And, and it's weird. I know they're playing with two bigs, but they're playing with two very, very extremely athletic bigs. So they should be able to, like, kick it and go. And I think that could help the rebounding too because – it would tire out the rest of the, the opposing team and kind of uh, level that playing field. So yeah, I, I really hope that JB kind of looks at himself and they can't just start, they can't just be a half court offense uh, continuing, especially when you don't have shooting, like, like you need to, you need to speed it up. Use the athleticism. This team is super athletic. Like, you got two, one of the two most athletic bigs in the league. You got Donovan Mitchell, who's probably what top ten in athleticism in the league. Um, Darius is one of the best yeah. passers in the league, and and Okoro is a great athlete. Levert's very good in the in the open floor. Um, yeah, it's they just need to they need to change up their system to. I think the just running running the possession half court possession is not, it's just not how you do it, man. You just gotta you gotta score multiple ways, and I think uh, that starts with uh, changing up and getting a little faster. I wholeheartedly agree with you. That's something I think you and I talked about a lot in the first round. Was just just felt like they were stuck in the mud, uh, constantly initiating their offense around the twelve to fourteen second mark. And um, you can be a pretty bad defensive team, but if most of your possessions of the opposing team start at like the ten to fourteen second mark, you don't need to be good for very long. So I totally agree with you. They gotta they gotta figure out how to unlock those dynamic guards even more. I, I think you know we saw some of it. Um, certainly, it was challenged with with the physicality of the Knicks team and kind of bumping our guys off ball. But yeah, hundred percent agree with you. Would love to see more and more motion um, off ball movement from DG and Donnie. And, and yeah, there's never enough of that. There's kind of that, there's kind of that line between making sure you're, you're keeping the ball not creating turnovers and creating that off ball. But we just saw There's no doubt about it. We saw way too much just four four in the paint and one-on-one and try to go. And it, it just was uh, played right into the right. next. And it's not like you're like so dominant in that style. And like you're in your, like right. a dominant, like a dominant rebound. You're not <laughs> like you, you struggle. You struggle at some, especially in the playoffs where they can basically guard four guys um it's it's tough to kind of run that slow methodical offense so um they just got to find ways to make it easier on these guys yeah yeah 100 percent agree with you and joe thank you uh for jumping on we went long over an hour that's the first Cavs cast that's gone over an hour in quite some time probably since we got yeah. donovan mitchell maybe right. <laughs> so yeah. um but yeah, we, you know, we appreciate everyone listening. Go, go read Joe's content that he put out about the Browns this weekend. I know I'm like this. This kind of bitter Cavs ending has me starting to get a little jacked up for football season, man. So I'm excited to to uh, 
consume some of that content, read, read more about these draft prospects. So go read Joe's content there. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening kind of all season long. Uh, we'll be back probably, you know, as it gets into the summertime, unless anything kind of big happens, of course, maybe after the draft, talk a little there, but it'll be, a, you know, a few weeks probably till we jump back on. But again, just appreciate everyone listening in excited about what, you know, how Kobe's going to improve the roster this offseason. Mm-hmm. I'm optimistic that the core four, you know, sticks together. I just cannot wait to see how they supplement yeah. around. I think that's the big yeah, piece. Now. Definitely. Same, same, same thing. I'm, 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 I'm very kind of pessimistic about how it ended, but like, I'm, I'm optimistic about how they can improve this, uh, this team this offseason. So I'm excited to see what happens. Yep. Absolutely agreed. Yeah, thanks again all for listening. Have a good evening and go Browns. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.